Welcome to OK Video, coming to you from Calgary, Alberta. I had a great lunch this week. It was an ahi tuna burger at OEB Breakfast Company. Uh, now, a piece of tuna may have fallen loose from the bun, but I really enjoyed the texture of the meat on its own, so I was kind of glad I got a sampling of it separate from the well-paired guacamole and microgreens that were in the burger. I'm Nathan Rohr, and my wife's favorite genre of food is breakfast food. I'm joined, as always, by Ryan McCullough. Hey there, Ryan here. Uh, yeah, my wife's favorite, like, she she loves going out for breakfast is the big thing. Yeah, uh, but those places close at, like, 4, they, which is not... fine for normal humans. <laughs> That's easy stuff. Don't even think about it. But for someone like me who's sleep oscillates wildly it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a challenge sometimes well i mean there's definitely some diners that go 24 hours but it's offering a different sort of thing than oeb is offering the world yeah yeah so it's like you know <laughs> you can still get eggs and bacon later in the day but oh sure i'm thinking like blackfoot diner just down the road from you guys is 20 yeah hours. We haven't really resumed going there since the pandemic break, though. They weren't 24 hours for quite a while there. Sure. Uh, But, yeah. But but I just find them to be, like, I think I like the higher quality products in, like, the newer places in Calgary. Whereas, like, Blackfoot is, like, that old school, like, heavy on the butter, (laughs) heavy on the grease, everything, food. Heavy on the grease. Like, the burger is very, like, yeah, I could have made this. Okay, but this this is interesting to me. You go to a breakfast shop and get a burger? I, I It's just what hit, struck me on the menu. I was like, okay. it was that or it was going to be this like duck and pierogies. I was like, that sounds pretty good, but I don't know how much duck I'm going to get. Sure. I hope it's a decent quantity of duck meat, but I'm not convinced it will be. So I'm going to go with this burger. Gotcha. And I, I was happy. It was, it's really just, I don't, it's just the texture. Like it's the texture of this tuna was crazy. It was like, wow, it's like. It's like I don't even need teeth. Like if I if I lose my teeth, I can still gum up some of this tuna because it's so. I think like, I think tuna mushy. has that quality generally, though. Like maybe yeah, I make tuna salad special. almost once a week, and that's like it's. This wasn't all shredded up though. It was like a steak kind of. Oh cute. sure, but I mean, like even then, it's like it's a pretty soft meat. Apparently, yeah, really soft meat. So it's crazy. I don't think it's hard to gum it, like to shred it up into flakes or chunks and stuff like that. Like I got chunky no. by accident. And it still was like turned to flaky really easily with like very little effort. Just so, fork, yeah, just whip it up and something. it was just done. Um, yeah. But when you go to breakfast place, like those, neither of those things you were. Um, Pierogies. That's breakfast is all get out, Ryan. Yeah. I'm I guess I guess Ashley's <laughs> Ashley's stepmom is a Ukrainian, so we always have pierogies for dinner. Oh, so, okay. I, I guess yeah at okay. Nelly's breakfast place which is one of our go-to's also they have like Ukrainian lunch kind of yeah. thing and you'll get yeah. like a cabbage roll maybe some sausage I'm supposed to stay away from sausage in general now yeah uh so this fresh tuna was probably also, okay except it has a crust around the edge that's like pepper and maybe salt which was bad but I was like you know what it looks great <laughs> I'm gonna well eat and it. generally it's probably better for you than other options at the restaurant it seemed pretty fresh yeah. um yeah Okay, because that's what I was going to ask you, because I'd be like, most breakfast foods now, like meals, because when I go, I just like getting a classic breakfast, like give me bacon, sausage, eggs, and some toast with some maybe hash browns, like that's my go-to whenever I go. I'm kind of a big pancake guy, or crepes and stuff, I like those, Well, Uh, I mean, they're not too bad salt-wise. The place we go to, the big breakfast gives you a pancake, we go to Red's, and it always comes with a pancake, so, and I like, but I can't ever... 
the sweet has never been my thing. It's the savory, even when it comes yeah. to desserts and stuff like that. So I have found sometimes you'll order like, yeah, just give me a platter of pancakes. <laughs> and then like on pancake number three or something, it's like, it's a lot. It's just eating cake. It's, <laughs> like, it's just soaked thick. up cake. And it just, I find it just sits in my stomach in like a heap. And then it's just yeah, like, it kind of turns back into flour <laughs> inside you. It's it's a little rough. <laughs> so, but I mean, Ashley's a big bowl person. She likes bowls. Like yeah, Brittany mix. got kind of a breakfast poutine, which to my eye just looked like a breakfast bowl, like okay. just a breakfast scramble kind of thing. Uh, Reds has this really great breakfast sandwich on sourdough that is, I admit, is pretty great. But the only reason why I don't get it is like it doesn't seem substantial enough to me. Okay. To like make it worthwhile. Oh, I guess I, I was also eyeballing the huevos rancheros or whatever. They have like a burrito. Yeah. It's like a breakfast yeah, yeah. burrito. I was like, I do like breakfast burrito, but something about this tuna sounded so exotic at the time. So. What What is your go-to? So Nelly's is your go-to breakfast place, right? Nelly's is one of our go-tos. We live near one, so we kind of developed a fondness for it. It's, oh, sure. It's yeah, yeah. probably mid-tier, really, but we just kind of like it. Oh, sure. I mean, um, there's nothing wrong with I Honestly, man when i was in college everybody liked denny's but i kind of liked humpty's more so i ended up at humpty's a decent amount when i worked near one uh i explored their menu (laughs) as best i could and it's just like it's something about their stuff just it feels like a bachelor made it or something it's just like yeah i threw some tater tots (laughs) in a bowl put some cheese on it barbecue sauce what do you want and the the phase of life i was in in college was bachelor so it was like this is kind of perfect so. just like i ah, put cheese on it like the, yeah. there's cheese on everything <laughs> and it's good i guess but it, it's kind of oh no know. no it's not good uh, i don't think it photos well i don't think the instagram generation would be like what are you eating it's like <laughs> yeah a bunch of tater tots <laughs> i don't know it's a lot of brown uh have you been to phil's on glenmore uh we live right near a phil's yeah. but we don't love phil's okay because their pancake their waffles are pretty solid Okay. But I didn't love anything else. I just kind of like their the, waffles. I will always kind of love a place that just leaves the craft with you. I kind of <laughs> love that. So, like, Phil's always had that. So, I'd make a case sometimes for Phil's with Brittany. It's like, hey, they just leave the coffee there. You can just keep having coffee all the time. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, but the menu, like, I don't really like it. Yeah, it's not, okay. it's not a great place. But it's one of those things that if you want to, in my mind, if I want a solid pancake, like, with the fixings, yeah, it, I'll go to Phil's type of thing. Uh, weirdly we end up at fat burger sometimes because they have just eggs and bacon like they just have like a a cheap breakfast well this is what i was gonna get to honestly like if you want a solid cheap good breakfast you probably can't have this all but like is a and w because they crack two eggs I, i i was looking at their menu the other day they have like five or six items that stay all day yeah so you can get like a sausage and egg or something yes but yeah the the real breakfast with the toast and everything you can't get that no no yeah it's, the they day. crack two eggs they're frying up bacon for you like it's a pretty solid breakfast like i and then also, I, I was kind, I was kind of harsh to NW on a previous episode, but I will give them credit for having very transparent like uh sodium information Oh, okay. I appreciated that. Their website's just like, yeah, just press this button. You can read all that stuff. I was like, great. Because otherwise, I'm like, OEB, sodium, and nobody, they're not telling me. They, they, they're not telling secret. me anything. Fast yeah. food, I find fast food actually is generally pretty, McDonald's is pretty good about that too. Sure. Showing sure. you that, that type of information. Because I think they're also. <laughs> yeah. Denny's was too. And it's just like, oh my God, I can't order any of this. <laughs> There's like seven things I can have. Yeah. And four well, of them are a, salads. You can get a pop. I can get a pop. Or water. It's true. I can still get, like, some decaf coffee at, like, 1 in the morning. If yeah, I want. exactly. 
and exactly. maybe a pancake or something. Um, yeah. What was uh? Oh my goodness, my brain is not working. Uh, pivoted to oh the other one that I really liked that I haven't been to in a long time but was always good. Did you ever do the Gray Eagle Casinos breakfast? No, the Gray Eagle is like too big of a walk from where I am now. I did used to live near it. Though, That's what so I was kind of asking. Should have tried to do it. But... I I used to go a lot more when you lived down here. Like not because you're here, but when you lived down here that time, I would go a lot. It yeah. was four bucks for like two eggs, bacon, toast, fruit, and uh beans like free fried beans and coffee nice that's like british stuff yeah okay and uh no baked beans baked beans like the western baked beans yeah and coffee for like four dollars and fifty cents and it was like because you're supposed to gamble away your life savings exactly there (laughs) you're supposed to then afterwards or beforehand go gambling but if you just walk in put your head down and go right to the food very worth it so there you go anyways uh i love breakfast as well local breakfast tips for calgary that's what this show is all about <laughs> but, but we are no no nathan we're not a breakfast show oh. we're a movie podcast I, I don't know if you remember we talk about this every every single week uh but i'm ryan and as, of course you're nathan oh that's right uh this week we are continuing our look at canadian comedy legend john candy with one of his less celebrated films the action comedy armed and dangerous which was written by four people some of whom didn't want credit, but we will acknowledge them anyway. Uh, Harold Ramis, James Keach, who's the brother of Stacy Keach, yeah, which I was yeah. excited to find out. Uh, his dad's in this movie, too. Yeah. Uh, PJ Trokve and Brian Grazer, Ron Howard's friend, who apparently yeah, producing, made Producing with Wonderkin. Yeah, Imagine Entertainment. Like, yeah. I've definitely seen this name around. Uh, it was directed by action director Mark L. Lester. And was locked in a fierce box office battle with Howard the Duck. Is it actually? I was looking at Mark L. Lester's like cinematography, like filmography. It's just a, a, a like a, a smorgasbord. Like a he lot did one of action, action movie. stuff that looks questionable, but some of it's kind of fun. So I would yeah. say his best movie he ever did is still like kind of not a top tier movie. Commando. Yeah. Or Showdown in Little Tokyo. Showdown in Little Tokyo is pretty pretty great. I know we, you're a fan. We so. did watch another of his movies on this podcast. That's the thing. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll get there after one yeah, more sentence right. I have here. Uh, it came out August 15th, 1986. So that was like weekend three for Howard the Duck. Uh, it came away with $15.9 against a $12 million budget. So not really a hit. Managed to scrape by. I don't think anyone's losing their shirt. But it, again, not a, not a big deal. Um, should we do the summary or do you want to rag around? No, no, no. It's okay. We'll do the summary. Okay. Frank Dooley is a good cop. Norman Kane, a bad lawyer. What do they have in common? Both men decide to pursue a career as security guards and fall into a web of crime and corruption that gives them both an opportunity for redemption. John Candy is armed and dangerous in theaters this summer. I appreciate that both of our summaries so far have been like... Because last week at Uncle Buck, I was like also trying to do the same like... Oh. Everything's going to change when Uncle Buck comes to town comes like, to town or, um, yeah. comes to babysit yeah. Whoa, record scratch dog <laughs> uh okay couple things right off the bat on your summary yeah is john candy a good cop because this movie opens he was trying to help that cat and <laughs> he didn't this want movie to opens with like the very first thing we get of john candy 
is he's kind of not he's like inept like he's not good but he's good hearted ryan i think the point of the thing was he he tries to use his his charm and good nature to talk this little crying girl out of like helping out too much it's like oh your cat will come back down don't worry i'm sure it'll be fine and then just cut back to like just tear soaked face and it's like all right what's the cat's name but here's the thing. okay and then he starts but climbing this impossible tree this yeah. we'll get into this in a second i just want to yeah. talk about was really really quick john candy at the beginning of this movie first thing we get is him is not like kind of failing as a cop but for the rest of the film he has like like this they're trying to establish him like in the training school for like being a security guard or in like their investigation that he's more than capable. He's like a very capable police officer. Yeah, he he yeah, that's what I'm saying. He was a decent But I'm saying, but then why would this officer. movie ever open on this scene? Like this scene just undermines This all... scene is a little weird of an opening. <laughs> it just undermines <laughs> but... everything that comes because Eugene Levy, they open with him being like not a great lawyer, and then the rest of the time he's like just you're right. I guess Frank Dooley's situation is a little weird because I, I I feel like you're supposed to get like he's he's like a good-hearted person, sure, maybe yeah, from definitely. the cat gag, and then he's driving around the city just kind of patrolling his route, and I I did kind of enjoy his little like hey at the chicken guy. I thought that was okay, uh, and then he sees like flashlights and stuff in this electronic store. It's like uh oh this this is a robbery. I just stumbled on a crime, uh, so he rushes in there and. <laughs> I agreed with, like, somebody on IMDb that said, like, this is kind of a goof because couldn't you just, like, fingerprint the store or, like, anything to discredit these dudes? But Well, I think – I think what yeah. – like, okay, here's the thing, and this is actual true. Yeah. Police officers don't collect any more information than they need. Like, they wouldn't necessarily fingerprint if they had the suspect in custody holding the store right. product. I, I feel like what happens is, like, okay, so there's, there's these two guys pulling TVs out of this store, right? uh john candy walks up to him with his gun out he's like whoa oh wait a minute these guys are cops like what's going on with that and then they kind of shove a tv at him right when more cops show up yes and then it's like it was him we they caught the guy him. who's stealing the tvs yeah and then he loses his job so that sets up john candy to go to security school yes okay. so yeah that's why he's at like a hearing uh in court or whatever and then right after that you get introduced to, to eugene, eugene levy's, levy's character, character. Who's like total Lionel Hutz, like not a good lawyer in that way. Like in, yeah, in a pretty understandable way. Okay, but let's jump back to this tree. Yeah. Let's jump back sure. to this tree because yeah. this tree ascent is some of the worst editing I think I've seen in a movie that has. What do has... you mean? That was, that was SCTV's own John Candy scrambling up a tree. But like, what are you saying? It's like him <laughs> clearly climbing the a step of a ladder and then cut away and he's five feet up the tree then cuts it like steps another foot of the ladder cut away another five feet up the tree and you're just like what is happening how did he get how he was climbing where there's no branches from the floor to like six feet in the air he's already like climbing and ascending and it's the craziest it's like they it's like somebody wrote this gag and the director never took a moment to see how I should edit this. So he was just like, we'll make it up as we go. And then they just shot a bunch of stuff. And they said, we'll put it together and John Candy will make it work. But it's like, John Candy could only make so much work if yeah. it's not done well. The, the, this is kind of like my main thing that's like under 
like cutting this entire movie is like Markel Lester just seems like the wrong guy to make this movie. Like there's a quote from him on Wikipedia from like 2014 or something where he's just like, yeah, it was kind of my first time working with comedians. I didn't really know what to do (laughs) kind of thing. It's just like, yeah, because he's like trying to make a coherent crime story for some reason. Yeah. And meanwhile, like, they're not giving John Candy and Eugene Levy enough time to, like, fun it up and really get in there. Every single scene is done so quickly, and it's just like, oh, we needed, like, a Judd Apatow who would be like, okay, we're here in the gym. What can we do that's funny in this gym before we go talk to Tiny? I would almost imagine the outtakes for this movie are funnier than the movie (laughs) because (laughs) it's, like, John Candy and Eugene Levy getting to, like, do stuff. And meanwhile, you just imagine Mark Ellis would be like, no, we're trying to get back to this mystery. People are wanting to know what's going on with this corrupt union and the the gangsters and criminals. And that's the thing. It's, like, this plot, like, these villains are genuinely, like, sinister like robert loggia is like cussing he is trying to like hook up with his like underling's daughter like he's yeah. so skeevy in like a serious way not in a comedy way that's just no, like i know he's so evil but like not again almost like in a mafia like goodfellas way not in like a comedy film way he's sure. just and like cussing and just i'm sitting there being like this is what movie am i watching right now because I think this should be fun because gags are starting to happen, but then we cut to plot and it's just like seriousness all the time. Yeah. It, it's like, there, there's a certain like, Oh, this is kind of inherently a little bit absurd. So hopefully that's funny in some instances, but instead it's just kind of, yeah. Like I, I like to be fair, I kind of got more into the movie this time than I did the first time I watched okay, it. Okay, so I was wondering, I was going to ask before the podcast, but I decided to wait. You have seen this before. I own this movie. Uh, <laughs> I picked I picked it up probably just on a whim. I saw John like Candy solo? was Like, solo? You own this movie solo. Solo like, disc. part of, like, a, gir- a giant John Candy no, pack. No, I, I have some, like, dicey, like, I have Going Berserk because of a box set thing. Okay. Uh, and that was, that's the was movie you like, wouldn't let me have in this uh, in this. I'm telling you, it's it's barely a movie. <laughs> like this, this at least is a story, I sure. guess. Yeah. Uh, and at some point, I kind of got into like, okay, this is like a mid '80s like caper crime caper yeah. kind of movie. Uh, and if I, like you're I'm getting up for some crime with a little bit of a light touch. That's what this is. It's not a gut buster. When I know? read, when I read the anecdote that this was first set up for John, uh, John. Pelushi and uh, Dan Aykroyd. I was yeah. like, oh, 100%. Eugene Levy is playing a Dan Aykroyd character and John Candy yeah. is playing a John Pelushi character because they're rarely ever hanging out with each other and it's like, every now and again, John Candy has to do something really goofy. And even like when you think of the final sequence where yeah. they're not together at all and it's just Dan Aykroyd, <laughs> it's Eugene Levy p- pushing the plot forward and John Candy doing a bunch of silly things. Like, that is John Belushi's style of humor, and Dan Aykroyd will just, like, make quips as he goes along in his story. And I yeah, was just like... And I, I felt Eugene was kind of doing a decent oh, 100%. Way, like job with the kind of, like, he is... He's not a great lawyer in terms of, like, he has handed Charles Manson to defend, basically, and he can't improvise up a good defense in, like, ten seconds, so he's bad. Like, the judge basically tells him, like, you are clearly having some sort of mental breakdown. You should have a different profession. 
this is too much responsibility for you. I think you should yeah, quit this, or something. It's like, so what? In his court scene, he's is set to defend a neo-Nazi and Eugene Levy, like they, they play upon this, but like we know as the audience, Eugene Levy is a very Jewish man. Mm-hmm. And he's having to defend this like neo-Nazi. So the neo-Nazi's like, if I go to jail, I'm going to kill you. So when Eugene Levy goes to the bench, he's like, I'd like to negotiate for long enough of a term that he doesn't like get out. Well, he initially does like just kind of a poor job of like plea bargaining or whatever of just like, yeah, just just ignore that stuff. Don't don't worry about that. Like and it's like, what? Of course we have to charge him for these. Like you can't just yeah, shrug that off. So yeah, the the thing the judge comes to is like, "Hey, if you just like plea guilty to everything, I'll make sure he's put away long enough so that he won't be able to kill you. He won't know. Yeah, he won't remember his own name or whatever. That yeah. judge is the Keech's dad. Yeah, that is yeah. uh, Stacy Keech Senior. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually his name. Um, um. Yeah. So, regardless, they both end up at like, what is it? Armed dog <laughs> security. I can't remember now. Guard dog security. Armored dog? Is it armored dog? No. There's no dog. There's a dog as a logo. I don't think dog's in the title. Dog is the logo. Anyway, it's this it's this uh security, like, you know, private security company. Uh what to get into here? Meg Ryan's okay. there. <laughs> well Meg Ryan shows up pretty late in this movie. I yeah. just want to get back to this. I got like so I also read that like at one point Eugene Levy's character was being put aside for Tom Hanks. And okay. I read all these things afterwards, and throughout the movie, I was getting similar vibes. Like, I thought this movie was a lesser Dragnet, because sure. Dragnet also has, like, a really serious plot happening. But I feel like the hijinks of the two people, like, work better than this movie. I did. feel the hijinks of Dragnet work better because they're going after, like, a zany cult, you know? like like Sure, but, I mean, like, they really are weird. focusing on the mystery, though, in that movie. Yeah, yeah. But I think Joe Friday is, like, so serious that it makes it kind of absurd. Like, sure. the pairing is, oh, yeah. is crazy. You no, know, I, I, yeah. just, I just got similar. I felt, like, very similar. Like, this is in the same vein of 80s comedy that they were going for. Take, sure. like, a normally plotted movie, but we'll make it better by just putting two comedians in it. And therefore... Honestly, to my mind, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, like, this is probably greenlit because Beverly Hills Cop just made so much money. Oh, like sure. they're like we're we're gonna have like a hard boiled crime thing and then throw some comedians in it and they'll make it funny, and it'll be great. Yeah, and it well, and I can see like take I off. can see Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi signing up for that movie. Yeah, and honestly, it sounds like this movie like got dragged through the pits of hell to the point where when John Candy and Eugene Levy were in it, like they weren't allowed to do much. Whereas I think Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi probably were still like powerful enough to like make it their own movie. At that point, maybe yeah, because like Harold Ramis some hits and stuff. Yeah, this would mean like Harold Ramis would have like he walked away from this movie, but I don't know if he would have walked away from the movie he had set up with the other two guys before. And John yeah, had like passed. John Candy, I'm trying to think if he had like he Splash, I guess. He that's was what I mean. This is pretty early. Splash, yeah. Summer Rental, I think, was before this one. I think that's '85. So he's starting to become a name, but yeah. Eugene, like he basically vouched for Eugene to be the replacement. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so when a few people first movie, pretty when much. a few people fell through, because they had other people lined up, and then it was just like, "Hey, my buddy from SCTV would be great for this." Yeah, type of thing. And yeah. uh, man, I think 
I'm like really rooting for these guys because I know they're talented and funny guys. Yeah. And like it's like you get little little gasps of it coming through this crime story. You know, like oh, I like the first time I watched it, like the one thing I remembered was I appreciated Eugene Levy like walking up to cl- criminals clearly committing crimes. Oh yeah, no, and that's just being like, uh, do you guys got an invoice or anything? That or was literally what waiting? I was just I was just about to was like <laughs> in that like when he, they're stealing from the places that they're guarding. He just walks up and he just, oh, <laughs> ski masks, huh? It's too warm out for that, you guys. Like, like it's <laughs> yeah. so silly. Like, he, he's still sort of being brave because he's confronting the situation, but it's his first night as a security guard. Well, he also has no idea what's going on. He just, he's bored yeah. and he's walking around trying to find someone to talk to. Like, he's... Well, he just got his lunch from his car is yeah. kind of the thing. Yeah, like, so the whole, the whole like, scheme here is is pretty apparently set up right away. It's like... They have just signed on as security guards of this company. The union reps come in and are clearly corrupt and just taking money. Like, it's like Jonathan Banks walks up there and it's like, that guy's not trustworthy. Like, you just know. <laughs> well, neither that. of those guys brought Brian, 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 James. Like, the other guy also just the plays a tall a guy. Yeah. Yeah. They... Oh, he's even worse because he just, like, is very explicitly cursing at them. Just like, just sign the papers. Rawr. It's like. All right, great. I love like, Eugene I'm... Levy's kind of earning points with all these other guys by just, like, asking questions. I was just like, wait, what does this money go towards? And it's like, how dare you poke a hole in our scheme? Like, you're no, but I love that somebody at IMDb liked this movie enough to look at the inflation rate between that year and this and today to break down gotta, like, what $15 a week numbers. would break into today. And it was just like, wait, there's some this people have way too much... Wage. Like, they're yeah. spending time on this movie being, like... Like, I've used inflation calculator stuff before, but, like, for them to be like, I got to answer all the math questions in this movie in one post. But for, for armed and dangerous, like, like, not for other things, but for armed and dangerous, someone sat down and broke down the math. It's important know. to the financial situation of yep. the characters. Yeah. Anyways, the way they make less than five bucks an hour, so it was 15 bucks a week for their union dues which is that's ludicrous obviously and anybody in 1984 85 what is this year this came out in 86 in 86 would have been like oh that's too much money so it's essentially right off the bat a a red flag that these guys are like that this is a crooked operation it doesn't help that they also are jonathan banks and the other guys so because they also just look and then they have like tiny lister or whatever like the big (laughs) guy from friday yeah uh with kind of the weird screw eye or or whatever or zeus from no holds bar or zeus from no holds bar i don't know this i'm just agreeing with oh that's like the wwe movie starring Uh hulk hogan back in the day and he was like it's like where that wrestling was like a real thing okay he he seems wrestler-esque i guess um he's kind of their head like uh tough crony guy uh yeah their first night of the job they're basically like told you should be on break right now like you need yeah. to go on break right now and it's like okay i guess i'll go for lunch and this is the whole criminal scheme is when the guards go on break at this preset time we will rob the the business the that they're guarding yeah and kind of like the the company like the security company is supposed to be turning a blind eye or they're kind of fleece they don't know but they're part of the criminal empire. It's really too much of this stuff is in this movie, but I kind of got involved because it's what this movie has is this story, like this plot about this See, union and stuff. So I was like, all right, I guess this is what this is. So this is my um, first time watching it. 
I yeah. was enjoying the training sequence, like sure. the them becoming security guards in less than three hours type of thing, and like yeah, everyone's kind of like Marge Simpson becomes a cop kind of stuff, yeah, or whatever. Like this is the class of Thursday three thirty, like haha, yay! I, I really enjoyed the oath reading scene, like like I. State your name, state your name. State your and name. And then, like, just, like, big, long speech. But, like, Eugene kept up. Like, he actually said every single word. Like, like knows the, the code. <laughs> well, just like was listening to the guy and citing. repeating the things that he was saying. Whereas yeah. everybody else just talking in a mumble. I don't know. And some there's some bit characters in that group that were just, like, fun. The guy with the there's wild like hair. like, the spaced out long hair guys. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Exactly. So there's still some good gags in there. There's just not enough of them. It's like you said, like the movie is like it's stopping for a gag and continuing with the plot rather than like having a funny movie that stops for the plot every now and again. You know what I mean? Sure. It's like yeah, movies that, that... more about the plot and then we'll stop every now and for a gag. But it's like, no, we need to have more gags. It, and it just has its priorities mixed up. It's like it's like coherent crime story is our first priority. Comedy is like our third priority. Well, this okay. Like it's it's so a the, little weird. Another movie that like reminded me of this experience, but in a, in a positive way for me, was the other guys. Where that movie like really takes breaks from its plot to do like for these, some like little river band hilarity or something, or just like to yeah. do what a random little things, and then it'll catch up with its plot again, but then it'll stop and like get distracted. This movie gets distracted from the jokes for the plot rather than from the plot to the jokes. So, yeah. anyways. So, you, so, like, did you generally have a bad time? No, or? it was, like, middle of the road, like, a 4 or 5 out of 10 type of situation where, like, I like both of these guys. They're both doing okay jobs, but you could tell that they're not being given much to do. Or like, much freedom to really, like, improvise or... Yeah, like, but you could tell, like, like, these guys like each other. Like, the, the gym scene, I was like, oh, there's so much potential here because... Like, or even the, like, steam room, like, they both pop out of that. There's just so many times where you can tell these guys like being around each other. Yeah. But we're not, we don't, we're not shown that, like, explicitly in the plot because, again, the director probably has no idea how to film comedy. So he doesn't know how to stop and, hey, let's have a joke here. Let's do something with this, something over here. You know what I mean? Like, there's no sense of yeah, improv. Yeah, like, it's, it's okay to stop for a beat just for a laugh's sake. Like, yeah, like, if most it's funny, people Most comedy scripts mad. aren't, jokes aren't written out. They're just like, we'll go into this situation and then something funny will happen. Like, one of the best anecdotes I know is, um, oh my goodness, my John Landis, he made Beverly Hills Cop 3, and he was like, oh, it's a terrible script, but Eddie will make it funny, so I'll sign up to do this. Because he said he saw the script for the first movie and he was like, it was just this like plot film. It was just a straightforward like crime drama action film. But then Eddie showed up and like did like the director was like, Martin Bress was like, okay, let's, he allowed Eddie to make any scene funny, do some things to make it funny. So it was funny throughout. Yeah. But in the third movie, when you watch it, it's like, it just plays the plot straightforward and there's no funny in it. And that's what reminds me of this movie, but I have to believe it's the director just like, oh, we don't have time for jokes. Like, we're in this gym, but we're just here to torture Tiny Lester, and then we're running out as fast as we can. We're not doing anything else. Yeah, that whole sequence is so strange because it, it has so much, like, comedy potential around it. There's, like, these so women much. bodybuilders as enforcers. Yep. It's this, like, goofy, neon-lit, like, gym. 100%. Tiny, Tiny Lister's there. He's he's going to, like, be more in comedies as time goes on. He can be pretty funny. Yep. But instead, it's just, like, 
yeah, we need to torture this guy for information. <laughs> and then run out of here. his head. And it's like, this is, like, Eugene's trying because he's, like, you know, weak. Like, he's trying to hold the bar and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, he kind of makes the, the torture stakes a little lesser by just being like, oh, my God, I don't know. Oh. Well, like, a little like, higher because he's he might accidentally drop it on this guy's head. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it serves its story purpose, but it doesn't really give enough room for it to be, like, funny. No. And then they start, like, punching these women, and it's not, like, funny. It's just, like, John Candy just punched a lady. Like, this is <laughs> yeah, just, exactly. like, what are we doing? Like, and then they run away. And then they run away, and it just feels like all of a sudden, like... And, like, Tiny is doing great in that, like, parking lot chase. Yeah. Like, that's, that's like, comedy staging stuff. Just, like, you guys run! He's, like, in the street, muscle yep. man. It's, like, okay, sure. But, like, it's just inherently kind of funny. It's not, like they're given chances to make it funnier. Exactly. Which is kind of, is a kind of zany action movie scene. Well, and even like when on. I think of yeah. like John Candy starting his motorcycle, I was like, it's like the only thing that's funny in that scene is the outfit John Candy's wearing. And the rest of the time, it's just him actually trying to start a motorcycle. <laughs> and it's yeah, just like Mark Lester's like, Oh no, no you, with his vehicle. you can't make any jokes. Just, just try to start your motorcycle. And it's like, no, like part, part of my like thinking for the plot was just gonna be like, yeah, this is secretly about like motorcycle maintenance. Like make sure you're going <laughs> to make sure it's ready for the big day or yeah. whatever. Cause yeah, it's just, yeah, you shouldn't have kept it under a tarp all summer. Like you should have, <laughs> you should have driven it more, man. Drive the night before. Yeah. Make sure it's ready for go time. That's what I mean. But, I just like, or like another great gag scene that was like, like you could tell, you could tell John Candy and Eugene like were just like, like bursting to do stuff was in the like um the adult shop. Like they could have done so much in that scene, and they just were not allowed to do anything because we just kept being reminded that they're being chased. They're being chased by these gangsters, and, it's and like, then it's there's like, like blow up dolls and dildos, and there's so much comedy potential all over the place. All over the and place, we're not really doing anything with it. But we have it's... time for lady boobs. Like that's all we had time for in that scene that felt extra. And I was like mm. that still is a Mark Lester thing cuz like like the peep show bit yeah. in the in the room there. Yeah. Like we still Which, have time for that. But I was I just felt like there was at least like comic things between the two of them like it starts with like you idiot like we don't have time to like put a quarter in here. And then after, like, the teasing of the final bit, like, yeah. Eugene is now on board with Finding Change. That's what I mean. Like, like they're okay, given a little bit. Funny. They're given a little bit, but then, like, they just get – it's like they're not allowed to get distracted from the movie that, that Mark Lester's trying to make. Trying to make. He's trying to craft his crime opus here, and it's just like, what? Like, that's not why we're here, yeah. really. To the point yeah. where, like, okay, when Meg Ryan got introduced, I could have sworn – that the movie was like, no, it's going to be John Candy and Meg Ryan as an item. And then oh, all of a okay. sudden, out of nowhere, it was like, no, it's Yuji Levy and Meg Ryan. And I'm just like, wait, what? I was almost like with her opening scene, she's just the instructor of, at the shooting range. And I, I, it almost felt like just like, wow, actually, this this like random character we have is kind of kind of funny and kind of cute. We should like put her in the movie. <laughs> and like they're like making up scenes for her to appear later. Yeah. It's like, ah, uh, she's the daughter of this this guy. <laughs> she has like, it's like Aaron a different Paul last name, though. Breaking Bad. Like, they gotta, didn't like, even make her the same it. last name. She has different last names, even in IMDb. <laughs> like, they're just... She's <laughs> like, man, we gotta... She's got some spark. We should put her in this movie more. It's like, yeah. okay, she's the daughter of the guy that runs the security company, and therefore will be in, like, four more scenes. And it's like, okay, But I we've already filmed too great. much information, so we can't change her last name. We're on day, like... <laughs> even though we haven't said it, we can't change it to have the same last name as her dad. Like, that's so we'll just, just have possible. a joke where, like, they're they're 
like man what a what a piece of crap our boss is like he's just so incompetent it's like that's my dad by the way oh no we're so embarrassed doesn't doesn't really work no it doesn't really but, work i uh, man i i i, I kind of I'm coming off of just watching like Police Story one and two, like Jackie Chan action adventure, like. Oh, okay, comedies. sorry. My brain went straight to Police Academy, and I was like, "Wait, Jackie Chan was?" I thought he... no, <laughs> no. So like, sort of contemporaries on the other side of the planet, like yes. Hong Kong is making these kind of crime caper comedies. Like, it it it's a good idea, I guess. Like, it's an inherently okay formula for good business, you know. Yeah, but it hits, but. His inspector Ch- Cho, what's his name? Oh, dude, I can't tell Anyways, you right now. He yeah. he's pretty capable. At the end of the day, he just like ends up in like situations where he can't. He has like because isn't first strike like police story? It's four? the fourth one. Yeah, it's the fourth one. Yeah. And super yeah. cop is two, right? Three, I think. It's three because that's where Michelle Yao shows up. Yeah, the okay. first two are just Jackie Chan is is out in Hong Kong dealing with crime yeah <laughs> dealing with like bombers and stuff so he's yeah. still capable he's just like i think a way like at least the third and fourth one because that's the ones i've seen i haven't seen the first two so i'm you, you can correct me if i'm wrong they're like mm-hmm. he's never in a situation where he's because he's on vacation in the fourth one and he has to try to stop terrorists from blowing up this like ski resort the four yeah somehow they take it international despite him being like a local cop i don't i haven't watched it in a long enough time that i can I like just man that ladder scene get was there. pretty. That ladder scene's pretty great. That's what yeah, like that. that those little highlight stuff is like the fighting stuff. This, I mean, obviously you're not gonna expect awesome <laughs> action from Eugene Levy and John Candy, but so what their skill set though is the you know comedy, yeah. goofing around 100%. like, and they they give them like little scraps here and there like you get like the when they're hiding in the workout room kind yep. of thing like that's like a moment that's right out of the 80s that's just yep. you know oh all these people are wearing tight fitting clothes oh like there's there's kind yep. of that 100%. felt belushi to me like that oh, moment that's, felt that's like, what i mean like i i this kinda is a got john a lot belushi of like moment belushi john moments candy. in john candy comedy because i feel like john eventually changes his humor away from like the sexually orientated stuff to like not john candy you mean john candy yeah because it felt like a lot of his gags were like blushy gags no yeah it's kind of ill-fitting stuff like he, he's kind of acting like a player in this club with these two ladies and yeah. stuff too and it's like i that was kind of his thing in splash to be fair and it's kind of his thing in like ox in stripes is is ends up but he's like the oaf that girls like sure so he gets and, in similar and he, stuff yeah the mud wrestling and everything sure. right like yeah. that's where he's in the middle of it yeah so I guess this was kind of his like, oh, he's the raunchy big guy, but I think yeah, they were probably trying to fill John Belushi's shoes. But then when he got up to his star power, he was like, oh, but this is actually more my style over here, and started yeah. moving away from that because we don't see that much in his subsequent films. Actually, too much. yeah, there's him being kind of lurid here too when he's like looking through the keyhole, yes. like at at Meg Ryan's place, and 100%. like she's just kind of creeped out about it, which for sure fair. Yeah. And it's just like, well, and he's the one that wants to, to like, you, they're running away from the mafia and he's the one like demanding a quarter so he can get his peep show on. Okay. Like that's him that wants it. And then it's yeah. Eugene that eventually buys into it. But then it's he who wants I guess, it the third I guess time. all to say like that stuff kind of feels forced or something. It's not, yes. it doesn't seem to genuinely spring from like what John Candy's zone is comedically. So it was a bit having to put up with that. 
Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, this didn't yeah. like that's where I was getting more Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi vibes than I was like even Eugene Levy vibes. I'm like, what's like Eugene like goes on to do like Christopher Guest stuff, and it's like that's not this character. I mean, a little bit, I guess, with him being like a nerd, like straight man in those scenes where he's like like point of uh, point of order or whatever it is he says in like that business meeting. Yeah, they go to, like, this big union meeting, and again, he's the guy asking, like, pretty astute questions and yeah. getting kind of shouted down by the Rod- Robert Lugia and everything. Yeah. Uh, and James Tolkien, I guess, is that's where he appears as, like, the treasurer or something? Yeah. Like, yeah. that's uh, the principal, right? From Back to the Future? Yeah, that's, uh, oh my gosh, Strickland yeah, from Strickland. Uh, the Back to the Future movies, yeah. yeah uh man i i don't know like i i i will say i found this like a pretty easy 87 minute watch this time because it just keeps moving sure it's just i kind of wish i was like having a more like happy time as i was going along like it's just like it was basically reminding me of like a grand theft auto mission or something it was like i was watching someone else play a grand theft auto like side story or something it's like okay like this is weird but i don't really know why you'd have very capable comedic talents be the stars of this because they don't really get to do their thing you actually meg ryan being like pigeonholed into the plot more makes more sense now because john candy's final act stuff seems like it has nothing to do with the actual plot happening like he was always supposed to be in the armored truck with him but they're like oh we want to put meg ryan in there so we have to give john candy something to do they, they kind of have some plot stuff with, with Meg Ryan where, like, they go to her with this corruption story about, like, you, I don't, like, your dad's in on, like, this crazy criminal thing. And she's so offended that they then leave that on the back burner, go find out, like, no, in fact, they're going to kill James Tolkien tonight and all this. Like, it, like, they kind of find out more information. Yeah. And then what is the key moment for her? Like, she asks her dad about it and he's evasive, I think was the thing, right? Like, he, he kind of doesn't, he's like... Hey, well, oh. then, and and I think the we're supposed to... There's a really weird scene with her and Robert Loggia who, like... Yeah, he's he's trying to get with her, and And she, like, plays it like, down. I'm working. No, I can't. No. Nope. But then, like, Sorry. even talking to her dad, she's like, oh, he's trying to get my pants. And he's like, well, I'm, why he oughta? And she's like, dad, I'm a grown woman. I can handle myself. And I'm like, you're being a little too playful. That was a pretty gross scene, like... Movie. Yeah. But yeah. anyways, I don't... Uh. I, I don't yeah. know. Like John Candy just feels like when I, I might have blinked, but I was just trying to figure out what his part of the plan was because he he's just like on a motorcycle, and then he can't get to where he's supposed to go. So it just feels like Eugene Levy's job is just to drive it away from the bad guys. But I'm like, what was John Candy's yeah. role? The the final like situation is there's going to be this big armored car heist, right? Yeah. Like it's it's kind of the poster, it's the outfit he's wearing, it's it's like the big action climax of the yep. movie. Uh James Tolkien is like the part of the criminal empire that's like opposed to this happening cuz it's like no, it doesn't make any sense. Like you're going to cash out all of this union money and then insurance is going to pay it, but I'm going to be the guy on the hook for that. And then they're going to off him, which gives them an opportunity to save him, but that doesn't pan out. Anyway, they managed to, like, pull some strings to not have the guys assigned to the armored car, like, be involved. It's going to be Meg Ryan driving to pick up Eugene Levy 
to have all the money. Okay. And then, yeah, it seems, it really seems like John Candy's plan was, I have a really big pistol at my house. This will work out. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's not, there's not a lot to it. It's like, I have a motorcycle and a really big gun. We'll take care of it. Maybe they got, like, a, two weeks into filming and John Candy turned to Mark Lester and said, we need to, like, have a gag somewhere in here. Like, you gotta give me something. And then yeah. his whole gag is him trying to catch up with them. Like, because it feels like the most gag-orientated stuff where it was, like, it's not, pl- like, John Candy's not plot-focused at all in that sequence. It's like they're giving him space to be funny, but, like, even then Mark Lester's not giving him rope. I feel like, yeah, all they're trying to do is, like, prevent the armored car from being stolen. Yeah, but then in but that he's situation. not there yeah. for most of and it. And then th- there's lines from Eugene Levy to the effect of, like, oh, he's not going to be there. He may want to, but he's going to screw up. Like, it's just this kind of, like, okay, like, I, he hasn't really screwed up so far, but sure, I guess. No, he hasn't screwed up at all. It's e- Eugene Levy that's screwed up, if anything. <laughs> Yeah, he's not a good shot. I did enjoy that during the training. Yeah. How bad Eugene Levy is at shooting How was, bad, was yeah. decent. Um, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like, there's a whole but, middle sequence. The whole middle sequence is essentially them investigating. At this party and stuff. And, like, yeah. yeah. Or, or the gym. Yeah. And, like, them coming to the conclusion. There's oh one God. gag the, in the There's middle also of... that sequence where they, like, meet up with this thief that John Candy yeah, knows Duke. from his cop days. I was about to get into, like, this. He meets up with Duke. Who yeah. trained the guy who trained Apollo Creed? Yeah, uh, yeah. Who who wanted to, who was going to teach Rocky some hurting bombs in Rocky Balboa? We got to oh, develop yeah. those hurting bombs. Um, and there's like they talk to him, and then they learn about thievery, and then there's a whole gag where John Candy catches a shark, and he shoots it, and then he and shoots then it. They take a picture of it. And yeah, that, 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 that again is kind of like the comedy trying to come through, but kind of as an afterthought, you know? Oh yeah. Like, well, how do we end the scene? Like even cause I wasn't vibing with it when he's going through those, like, like, um, and like pushing everybody down with the poles, yeah. I was like watching him and he's like, he's actually pushing through people like fishing. And I was like, man, that must've hurt. Like, cause he was like tangled up in all of these fishing rod and lines. And I was just putting, he's pushing through and I was like. This might have been like a not a fun scene it, for him. Yeah, to it it kind of has like a chaotic energy to it, where it's just like this wasn't like set up for comedy. They just kind of forced comedy into it. They were like, like you'll stumble through a bunch of real extras with with fishing poles for the gag. Yeah, but it's not like there's not a bunch of shot setups or edits or like no, fishermen with it, hats no going, music oh, or anything. That just like have like a whoop. like you know like there's no like. Like Benny Hill music cues at all going on for the scene. No, it's just what is he doing? It's like I don't know. He's just like stumbling and falling into a bunch of people, and then there's a shark at the end. Yeah, haha. It's like I know. Okay, I, know. I, I don't know. And like, like this now makes me nervous because I intentionally wanted to do this batch because I wanted to watch a bunch of his movies I haven't seen before. Now I know we yeah. got some good ones coming up I haven't seen, but it does make me nervous for a few of them. Like, I'm a little nervous now for a few that this is what we're going to get. I mean, part of it is just the tragedy of, of John Candy's career. Because, like, early on, he was he was being handed stuff like this. And it's like, well, it's a big movie. Like, I'll, you know, do what I can. But he can't, like, magically make this work with, like, the director not on board with yeah. comedy. Oh, 100%. You know? And you can totally tell because, again, you watch like these guys on Saturday Night Live. Lo- on it or anything. You watch these yeah. guys on SCTV. These guys know how to be funny 
clearly somebody behind the scenes was stopping them from being funny. Yeah, like with no money, like just like like just a couple guys with some funny costumes and a camera, and they were putting together a show and making it funny. This this has way more money, and it just doesn't it doesn't work. I kind of get why Harold Ramis like looked at the final product and was like, "That's not that's not what I well, want." Here's the thing: okay. I don't even get like any of Harold's signature things on it. Like you can kind of get a sense of Harold Ramis' comedy through his other yeah. films. Yeah. I can't. I couldn't tell you where his comedy is in this movie either, though. I'm trying. I'm trying to think if there's like some stand. Like, I think to some extent the inept like uh, security company has that. Sure. Like yeah. even that okay. spaced out kind of long haired guy. Yeah. Like them being assigned to guard toxic waste, and then like the two guys that yeah, are like okay. dying. I, I did because... just chuckle about that scene specifically. Like, how long have you worked here? Three weeks. Three weeks. <laughs> it's just like, oh man, we gotta get out of here. Yeah, because they they're essentially like after they screw up the warehouse job because they actually tried to stop a robbery, which was the plan yeah. for the criminals. Uh, they get reassigned to like junk duty. Like, uh, at first it's a landfill, and I thought this the long haired spaced out guy had some okay bits there too. Yeah. It's like this is like an almost new comb, <laughs> and then John Candy has his like. Oh yeah, I saw I saw a pretty new toothbrush a couple mounds over. It's like, what color was it? Red. Oh, it's perfect. And he like runs off. It's like, okay, that's an okay bit. That's an okay, that's an okay bit. bit. But like fleeting moments. Oh, like no. it's like fleeting. Eighty-seven and typically, minutes. Typically, it's centered yeah. actually around the infrastructure or the people of the security company. Now that I think about it, because even them trying to get into the party. With him having the list, like that same long-haired guy having the list, that, like that was an okay little moment too. With like him just kind of being like, "Yeah, let me see the list." Okay, yeah, uh, Pinkus well, we're undercover. And McCarthy, that's us. We're undercover, and he's like, "Oh, what name is it?" And he's like, "Oh, let me see the list." Okay, and it's this name, and then the guys are oh, smart, not using your own name. <laughs> it just goes inside, like it's yeah. They kind of social engineer their way past some of their lesser graduates, yeah, like that yeah. are part of it. So I kind of I kind of wish all that stuff tied together a little better. Like, it just disappears in the, in the for, final I, act. That's There's what I mean. A like, little bit. Once the movie, bit. like once all these movies always like these movies always devolve for the last like twenty minutes. They focus solely on plot, right? Like they just start getting into it. This movie forgets everything that was good that might have come up before. Once the plot starts engaging, uh, the thing they they the thing they throw into with the with the motorcycle stuff, like he's trying to get to the meeting point for this this armored car protection plan that's really loosely defined. Uh, he ends up with this trucker who's super game for all of this, which I thought was kind of a fun vibe. Like <laughs> sure. I, I like this truck driver character. He gave me kind of Charlie day energy or something yeah. like he's just this wild card character is here. And he's like, all right, yeah, let's go. Like I'm so down to help you get to that intersection for this important thing or else people will die. Like he, like John Candy basically just like, I will only say this once. If we don't get to this intersection in the next like five minutes, two people are going to die. And this guy is just like, all right, totally sold like to the point he where he puts crashing his, through yeah like yeah. he's destroying so many other cars to get to this place but he's pumped he doesn't care <laughs> and it culminated in a moment that genuinely made me happy is like they come around the corner and like this ice cream truck is there cone pops open and a rocket launcher man comes up and he's gonna blow up the armored car and the decision is for the rocket fuel loaded tanker truck to like dive in front and take the missile 
which is like the dumbest thing. But I was like, oh, yeah. And then it blows up huge. Bad guys drive into the explosion and die. The <laughs> ice cream truck explodes and dies. Like those the fiery corpses. Yeah. It's just like, what is this? Like, what happened? Like, this is the Mark Lester commando yeah. coming in a little bit yeah. right at the end. And it was like, that wasn't good comedy, but that was amazing. Like, what a stupid thing that just happened. And then John Candy steps out of the truck. The truck driver's fine. And it's all whatever. It's it's fine. They they saved the money from blowing up. Yeah. Hooray. Yeah. And in that, I actually had to roll it back to that moment because I was like, wait, did the corrupt cops like just die? It's like, no, they were in the other car. Like yeah. they were with they were with the kingpin, like the gangster. So they're just hopefully it'll all come to light now that John Candy wasn't corrupt and it was those guys. No, that's why we have the chief, police chief there being like, <laughs> yeah. Like, washing away all the problems to the point where now Eugene Levy is a cop. Is eligible to be a cop. It's just like, based on what? It's like, oh, you're a good, capable man. I think you got what it takes. <laughs> it's like, it's like, the like, guy okay. failed almost every other test. I, I did appreciate yeah, that Eugene Levy's like, no, like I'm not interested. Up. I'm good. And he's like, no, no, come on. He's like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Like, Eugene's so like, I don't want to be a cop. This sounds terrible <laughs> to me. I'm not cut up for that. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it's almost like teeing up Armed and Dangerous too. At the end, oh like yeah it's like they're trying to yeah now. they definitely feel like they're trying to tee up something beyond yeah. this film um oh, that chief was so weird and unreasonable too though because it's just like you were clearly just a hero and saved the day no you can't have a promotion or anything like you're lucky you're <laughs> well, no, but here's the thing back. planes clothes is a promotion from what he was before i guess <laughs> like yeah. that is because planes clothes officers like they do different work than clothed officers do yeah so yeah i guess so um and then he then he just gifts his giant pistol to the truck driver which yes. is a fun little cherry on that whole thing but, uh can i tell you the, my most egregious moment in the entire movie uh yeah okay that kitten was actually up in that tree oh okay there was a, they put a kitten that high up into a tree like not a cat not something that yeah. could be trained but you an might actual... be right i mean my cat was nearby when I was watching this scene and definitely, like, turned in alarm at the sounds this kitten was making because it might have actually been upset that it was 100 percent because this kitten yeah. was – like, there was wide shots and this kitten was up in that tree. Like, they put a kitten and they did wide shots. So you can see that there's no person up there holding the cat or anything. It was just, like, they put a kitten in a tree. Who knows what that kitten's going to do? Because it's a there, kitten. There was a company at the end, though, that said they supervised all the animal activity, so it must have been okay. Right? 1986 okay? 1986 okay, you're right. So they probably <laughs> ate the I don't cat. know, man. I sat there being, like, very <laughs> uncomfortable and being like, well, man, like, this kitten's really cute, and you guys are just going to put it in a tree and then walk away, huh? What a bunch of guys. What a bunch Plus, of guys. Plus, I, I figured a lot of the animal stuff they were talking about was all the guard dogs. There's, like, these killer guard dogs sure. that Eugene Levy has to deal with at one point. And, and then John Candy has to punch. John Candy just, like, takes, like, four dogs, and they're, like, biting him. He's just like, yeah, yeah, come on, bring it. And then he, like, punches one of them. <laughs> I I don't know. So <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, I kind of was just, like, the way, like, that kitchen. I just felt so bad because I was, like, watching, and I was, like, that kitchen's actually up there like really okay. really up there i don't know it was it made me the nervous. scene i kind of put a question mark on but i was just like those two ladies were heroes was like their dates that break into this party they just kind of become part of the investigation at one point yeah. and have to like distract robert oh like, and robert being like he's about ball. to open the like steam yeah. room 
and like she just locks eyes with john candy and he's able to silently communicate no this is really important he can't come in here we're like casing the stuff and then she's kind of like okay and then they like take him away to be molested or whatever by Robert Luggia. <laughs> this is what I mean. Because he was it's immediately pretty... like, oh, great. I, in my office is where we can take our clothes off. And I was just like, oh. Those poor ladies. They, is, this, is this and com- they don't even enter back into the story. They just, they just disappear. that situation. They just disappear because yeah. life is hard for them, man. I, there was a big uh, shootout moments later. And then Robert was like trying to use them as the scapegoat for who killed James Tolkien. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I just – there's just too many – Robert was just too creepy for me to like to enjoy the villainy. He's just like, like he's in Lost Highway, right? Yeah. Like is it? Yeah. I was like, this is his character. Like this is the that's Lost what I mean. But in, in, in Lost Highway, it works because that's kind of a creepy movie. That's a creepy movie. <laughs> it's trying to do that. This this is like this is supposed to be a light, fun comedy, and it it this guy is actually sinister. Yeah. It made, and yeah, uh, all all the criminal scheming is just like no, they're just stealing from good working dudes. Like they're yeah. just grifting hundreds of people for this scheme yes that sucks and fortunately i guess justice happens kind of but it's so chaotic at the end yeah you're just like that money probably never gonna get end up back in those people's pockets like oh sure it's just seized assets or or just like non-existent because it was in that armored truck like what that's what i mean like yeah it's just not well they saved it from being blown up because they they yeah but but if it goes away they probably laundered it to that armored truck i like that there okay like there's little moments though like that even in that truck i'm thinking now like when he says like it's filled with rocket fuel and john candy says perfect like it's it, it's okay yeah it's an okay little moment yeah but again it's no, a mo- there's it's definitely moments. things that shine through like a four or five for me tells me that there's potential here yeah it's just missed potential because a, sure. a, a movie like this with a better director with the same plot could work a hundred percent could work like i don't dislike dragnet which we were comparing it to earlier that's what i mean like that i think has its its head in a more comedic space for more of it a hundred percent that's what i'm trying to say like this exact movie this exact script with a better director could like could work because all you have to do is like while you're running around trying to solve the plot you stop and do a gag or you incorporate a gag into a scene like that's but it just the headspace was not there in this movie yeah and so like okay so there is the there's the sex store scene right Mm -hmm. and it's sort of implied they like beat up two people and stole their clothes correct or Uh, is it implied that they beat them up or that they just like got involved with them and then they swapped clothes it happens so fast that I'm not sure, right? I, mm-hmm. I would hope a more good-natured thing happened. Yeah, I didn't I room. didn't get a beat-up vibe from them. I got a, like, uh, maybe they reasoned with them and said, hey, like, these guys are looking for us. Can we swap clothes? And, or, or even, like, maybe they were game for a little bit of fun. Like, that's what they were getting into. Like, maybe a little bit of fondling happened back there. But in the setup for it, like, there's this kind of leather daddy guy that's really eyeballing Eugene Levy. Yeah. And there's kind of, like, exchanges of looks and things there. But then I don't know that Eugene Levy knew that that drag queen was also involved in this group because it works out because John Candy needs a disguise too. Yeah. But they both go back there and then they both emerge. Yes. And again, somebody on IMDb pointed out how is he stepping out in full makeup after that? It's again, just, I think because fun. they worked with each other. 
I think that I think that dude like in that edit there was like five minutes. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's movie minutes, right? Like movie minutes can jump any amount of time you want. Okay. Okay. So. And I I I I thought John Candy looked pretty funny when he was in the big wig and. I think that's like a. I was reading on IMDb like that's a shtick of his. Like he had a. That's one of his signature bits. On SCTV was was dressing up in drag and stuff like that. Yeah. So just when when they encounter the two cops they don't want to talk to on the street and have to kind of bluff their way out. Yeah. It was okay. It was, oh, it was sure. again an okay um, little bit. And again, somebody online was comparing his outfit. They were like, they couldn't tell if it was accidental on purpose, but how close John Candy was resembling Divine. Yeah, a from little bit. Pink Flamingo. Um, yeah, anyways. And then there's the map joke with the assless chaps, you know. Like, <laughs> no, joke. I can't give you the map. It's like, you gotta. And it's like, what? What's the whole thing here? Oh, he's using it as, like, a back for his pants. Yeah, because he so. was actually walking around with his, like, <laughs> just his hairiest butt I've ever seen on his own film. Yeah. It was great. No, you just, I, I appreciate Eugene Levy's boldness and just being extremely hairy and showing it off occasionally. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's not shocking he's extremely hairy. His eyebrows are, like, tell that story. But. Yes, <laughs> but showing off more of it for comedic effect. Yeah, that's exactly. What so I was, I was pretty happy with to that too. That worked. That was a fun gig. Um, that's right. But like, it was like, okay, I'm looking. Oh, right. That that's where they sketch out their thin plan, where yes. it's like, look at this map. We will go here and then here. Like that's basically all they establish. But that's what I mean. Yeah. Like those moments are so far and few in between that, like, I'm laughing in isolation at that one gag. But while I was watching it with the movie, I didn't really laugh because the movie didn't let me like see it as a gag because you're moving on to other things around it you know what i mean like i didn't get i didn't find any like there was any belly chuckle movie moments in this movie other than just like huh (laughs) that's so yeah yeah no definitely a lot of missed potential like which is too bad yeah uh but talented people and yeah well if we're into talent, let's shall we move into our our most valued i kind of have a Oh, it's mine. I think I, I go up. first. Yeah, you go first. So I'll, I'll think through some stuff here. So I'm hoping that your toss-up goes to the opposite of mine because I also have a toss-up. Okay. So mine, at the end of the day, though I had it down to two people, I am just going to go to Eugene Levy because like, okay. he has to carry some pretty miserable moments. He gets to... But he gets to shine pretty well. Like, we already highlighted the him interacting with the criminals. I, I don't think he knew they were criminals. I thought he was just being, like, completely inept. Like, just, hey, man, it's too warm out to be wearing a ski mask. Like, Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And, like, the bar, like, the courtroom scene I thought was funny. Uh, yeah, the way he was handling that, like, weight bar and just not being able to hold it up was also pretty well done. But, like, he just gets too many straight line stuff. Like, and by the end of the movie... All he does is drive this armored truck and he gets nothing funny to do really at that point. But I felt like he had some fun things to do along the way. And yeah, I, was I mean, he, he has to almost kind of deadpan a moment with like these cops are loading up the truck and they're just like, this is the most money we've ever had. This is like paint, painting a target right on the truck. Just like hit me right here. And then he just kind of all he has is just. Well, good talking to you. Like he, like that's the line they gave. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, well, it's you know th- that doesn't bode well for me. But no, what am I going to exactly. do? I'm trapped in this plot. <laughs> I got to drive this truck. So yeah, so, I yeah. So but I mean I I I thought like you I get their affability, 
like off the screen. Like I got a sense that these guys like spending time with each other. So I appreciated some moments. Uh, this, the, the, the peep show scene, like you said, was pretty fun and well done by both of them, like egging on each other. So yeah, no. So at the end of the day, like I enjoyed Eugene Levy in this role. I totally wish that they gave him more space to do things. Yeah. But I, that's not the movie we saw and not the movie that we have. Like, it's just not so. And yeah, I, I, I would have liked to see some outtakes, but those aren't on there either. I checked my DVD. Okay. There's nothing. So. Okay. Yeah. so yeah. So Eugene gets my, my vote for MVP beyond like John Candy. Okay. So. Uh, yeah, I, I guess it probably would still go to John Candy. Right. Sure. I, I don't know. Okay. Uh, I enjoyed seeing Jonathan Banks as a young person. Yeah. That was kind of neat. I don't, he's just a crony though. He <laughs> he's just really a crony. get to do anything too fun. Yeah. I did enjoy him yelling while they're driving in the truck, like in the car, just like Angelo, no, or whatever, as they're crashing <laughs> yeah. through yeah. lettuce and stuff. It's just weird. It's just weird seeing him. Yeah. Like Aaron Trout in this, in this space. So that was, that was one. Yeah. Uh, I thought I have Eugene here, but he, I said he wasn't really given the chance to shine uh often so that was kind of dragging it down uh meg ryan was cute she had cool hair i i thought she had really well, nice, she had classic like, meg ryan hair like short kind of cool looking yeah. business going on so yeah i it just made me realize i hadn't seen a bunch of her stuff like uh, okay i haven't seen when harry met sally and yeah whatnot, yeah yeah so yeah. uh but i think i will go with i know i know we do it a lot around here the composer bill myers okay. <laughs> he made a thoroughly 80s caper score sure with just like dumb synthy nonsense and just kind of like the score was keeping it lighter than the director was in okay. terms of some of the sequences yeah. like like this isn't just a serious car chase this is a fun car chase yeah, yeah and yeah. the music was helping me get there uh, so yeah, Bill Myers. Uh, I also noticed there's like a Marauder track somewhere in the soundtrack and stuff. Okay. It, it, it's just that kind of '80s sound. Uh, but that that was maybe also an element I felt was like looking at the Axel Foley kind of stuff sure. and trying to get yeah, there yeah. with that. So it just put me in a in a headspace of like '80s crime caper Grand Theft Auto esque business. Yeah, when, so, like yeah, getting out of this movie, I'm now in my brain being like, I need, I would like to watch Dragnet again, type of thing. Like, yeah, it, the, th- that was the thing in isolation today, just popping it in. It was like I kind of like movies like this, so this is okay compared to its peers. Though, like if we had just watched Beverly Hills Cop or something, this would look terrible <laughs> yeah. in comparison. Yes. You know, like this. This is like. Oh, I haven't seen anything like this in years at this yeah, point. Yeah, if we had just done a batch, the, the closest on, like, one I could think of was like Dead Heat. Yeah, it was if, like within the lifetime of our show. We did if we just done a batch like on like comedy crime movies, like but if we just did our buddy cop batch, it would just be like, wow, this is not a very good one of those. <laughs> and uh, we did this early enough in this batch that we haven't really gotten like a lot of great John Candy yet. So it's like, we can almost forgive this one. Cause if we saw this one later, I could see myself being like, but we just saw like that great performance, and that great performance. And then we yeah. got this. So, yeah. so this, is, this is just a bit of a reminder of like, you know, funny guy, but he, the stuff coming over to his agent isn't always like, Oh yeah, exactly. No, hundred percent. Or just even like just that. Like, times. I still think I still stand by my, like, 
a better director or better setup on set would have made this movie funny if they were given space to do it like Eddie Murphy was given space on Beverly Hills Cop. And when I saw the list of like four writers, I assumed it's like, oh, it's like a comedy writer's room and Harold Ramis is in No, there. it's like one like, after This could another. really work out. Yeah. Yeah. But it's that's, one after not, another. that's um, not how it worked. So. Like you've heard, like, you know, the anecdote around Beverly Hills Cop, right? That Cobra is like closer to what the original <laughs> script was more like. Yeah. Yeah. And like Cobra oh. is not funny in the slightest. <laughs> like it's... That's something I kind of wanted to ask though about Markel Lester. Like he, like I'm laughing at Commando because it's so absurd. Yes. Does he know it's funny? <laughs> I don't think he knows, but I know, I believe Radon Chong, uh, Dan Hedaya and Arnold Schwarzenegger all know what's happening. Okay. And then my next question was like, so you, you've said Showdown Little Tokyo is like really funny. Again, I don't think he does, but I think Brandon Lee and Dolph, I think Dolph Lunder knows exactly what he's doing. Okay. And so I think it's, it's kind of like, despite their captain guiding the ship, there's like people within the cast that are able to find the groove or something. And I still think like the choices that Dolph Lundgren makes during a sex scene is the highlight of that movie for me. Like it's just okay. being dead face stoic while the girl's writhing in complete pleasure during a sex scene was the, the smartest choice Dolph could have ever made. And okay. I don't know. And Mark shot it, but maybe he thought it was sexy. Like, I, maybe don't, he I don't know what Mark know. thinks about anything. Yeah. If, Cause if I look at his whole filmography and I put those two movies in it, I'm like, those now feel like, like anomalies to a whole bunch of really bad movies. Like Happy really, really bad movies. Oh, I mean, I haven't looked at his his filmography before. It's just like, oh wow, look at this stuff. Like, like he did Class these. of '84, which I hear is a halfway okay film. It's a crazy movie. That that movie's like accidentally really dark. Maybe it's okay. really messed up. But then he That's also a movie. directed Class of '99, which I hear is terrible as a sequel. Yeah. So, yeah. and then he did a bunch of like reptile replicant or whatever it is like he did a bunch of like tv movies like directed dvd like creature features the guy's yeah. not a good director so like i don't know i can't believe that commando was on purpose and he knew what he was doing okay so on the trivia list there's a lot of talk made of like hey john carpenter almost made this movie well yeah i know but do you think he would have been able to find the groove so john carpenter you know? also made Memoirs of an Invisible Man. I know, but during this era, he made like uh, like Big Trouble in Little China. I know, but the Big Trouble in Little funny. China is more is still closer to his realm world of over the top action movie. Yeah, with some side gags around visual gags and probably like because there's a supernatural element, like monsters and stuff. Yeah, it's like more his wheelhouse than. Like, hey, if you want to throw some monsters in this movie, well, that's, I would be so That's the game. thing about Invisible Man. It's like, it's almost too straightforward. Again, like, it cares more about its plot than being funny. Yeah. And it doesn't I, I work. I mean, it's also Chevy Chase's brand of, like, sarcastic jerk but funny. But still, like, not even the, not even close to being peak that, too, either. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways. I don't, I'm not convinced that, I think John Carpenter passing was the best thing he could have done. Not just okay, for yeah. his career, but I think even this movie... He would have. It would have been a dud still because I don't think it's his style of, like his brand. Hmm, yeah. Anyways, all right. Uh, so yeah, Bill Myers, my guy. He did a fun score, and uh, Eugene is is trying his darndest, and he's going for it occasionally. Yeah. He gets a chance to to do some stuff. 
so there you go, armed dangerous. Um, question time. Uh, did you get a chance to look at the? First? I did get a chance. Yep. Okay. Uh, some. Oh, I guess I'll read it the way I gave it to you. That's only fair. What is a movie or a piece of media you watched when you were sick and formed a special connection with? I'm guessing you have something lined up. I have a couple. I I feel like from when I created this question to now, I've forgotten the thing. I do have one. I, I have this one question. I have one. I assumed for you. Here's okay. the thing. My one caveat is the only things that come to mind are negative special relationships because I oh. would get like sick. <laughs> That's totally fair game too. Because I I have one for when I was a kid that I was going to use as like a bad example was like I was laid up with like a chicken pox. And my parents were like, hey, Adam West, Batman, come on. What? You pop, watched? Pop uh... in the movie. And I was like, this is weird. This is freaking me out. Like, Cesar <laughs> Romero is murdering people, and I do not appreciate it. Like, I found that movie weird and scary at that point in time. Oh, I was like man. five. All, right. All yeah. right. So I've had, like, a weird relationship with that movie ever since because I know it's high camp nonsense yeah, cheeseburger I love silly. that movie. <laughs> I love but like there's a moment where he just kind of like jokers like spraying this gas at people yeah. and they just like fall over as like a little kid i was like what is happening this is <laughs> so, had you so not insane seen, right now had you not seen jack nicholson's because that's like he's melting people's faces off in that movie i don't think i'd seen jack nicholson at okay. that point in time okay. Th- that became like a dangerous like oh what is this i found on like a tape we were recording over okay it was one of those where i was like wait wait whoa 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 <laughs> What is after I'm done recording Sesame Street or whatever? There's just like some craziness going on back here. So I, I would watch like the last okay, bit of Batman. I watched. I had watched the Batman Tim Burton bad movies first, and I think Batman Forever before I started watching the Batman TV show on Space every day. Yeah, on school. occasion I would catch the old show, and there's definitely fondness from like even my mom for that show. Yeah, like she would tell stories about like, oh yeah, me and my sister would just shell peas. And watch Batman. Well, and then my dad, this is the thing, right. my dad would come home and he would always watch the last part of it and he loved it. And then he was like, oh, did you ever watch, there's a movie of this? And I was like, what? And then we went and watched it. So I was already well into Batman-ness and I was like, okay. so I think that's why I was always on board with Batman and Robin. Because in my brain, I was just like, oh, this is, I love yeah, this Batman. Yeah, where's his buddy Robin? He was always there. He's the well, guy that but I mean, like the, the what, what the movie Batman and Robin was going for. Yeah, because I was like just getting into Adam West and being like, "This is peak Batman for me, guys." And then got Batman and Robin. I was like, "What's wrong with this movie? This is great. I'm having a good time." So I I will always remember the bomb gag though. Yeah. Like it's it's solid. It's that's a, solid a solid piece solid of comedy. comedy. Um, it's pretty good. He runs into those ducks, man. And he just doesn't want to wreck those ducks. <laughs> it's great. That's <laughs> some nuns. I love how big-hearted Batman is <laughs> yeah, in that moment. It's, so it's just like. Bad. Oh, this is an infinite no, bomb. I can't. Okay, sorry. My negative example uh, is, and I should rewatch this movie, but I've never been able to. I don't know what was happening, but one time I was I was working at BHQ and I decided to rent Dog Soldiers, and this okay. was after Descent had come out, and I was like, oh, I like this director. I should watch Dog Soldiers. I keep talking about everyone keeps talking about how good this movie is. I love werewolves. I'm on board. I'm eating a steak sandwich like i made a steak sandwich at home yeah but something wasn't right with it and i'm eating it and as i'm eating it i start feeling very nauseous as the movie's progressing and then i near the end of the movie i'm like i have to throw up and i go puke and then i have other problems other side of my body 
and then they come back and finish like, it. And just I was like, some, like clockwork orange action going on. <laughs> I was like, with dog soldiers. The movie was over, and I was like, that was a really bad movie. And then it took me a while to be like, no, it wasn't a bad movie. You just you physically got really sick while watching it. I I had this happen with like the first LMFAO album. Like I got so mad at that album because I ate like Vern's pizza. Oh, was it, it, it? That's what this. Because you got. I know you ate Vern's and got sick, but I didn't know it you. was like thick meat Vern's pizza. I just got in the fr- like the one with like I'm in Miami. Yes. Trick. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think is the edit. Uh, I was like, I had that on while I was eating this pizza, and towards the end, it's same thing. Like at the end of my meal, it's just like. I feel disgusting, and well, this yeah, music and you is what's now great about this... linked to it, so I can't ever listen to this again. Oh, sure. So. You know what's... Well, I mean, the difference being is that I still want to watch Dog Soldiers, because I think I still would like it. You're not sure. missing much on LMFAO. No, like, they, they're they constantly playing, like, party rock anthem and stuff yeah. at, like, sports events, and I just keep having to hear it. It's like, man, this song is so stupid. Like, it's... I, I kind of thought it was fun, like, It a was fun ago. for its time, but so was, like, um... Uh, whatever that, like, Black Eyed Peas song was, like, let's bring the roof, and then we do it again, again, let's do it, like, that song, whatever that song is, can't, the parting song they had that was big, I don't oh, know, I yeah. anyways, okay. um, what's funny about that Verns thing is, like, you're one of the people that, like, why they shut down is because they kept giving people food poisoning, because the meat that they layered, like, so thickly, they didn't keep stored at the right temperature, and people kept yeah. getting food poisoning from them. The first time I had it, I thought it was really great. And then this was a subsequent time, and it, it was like, no, I know that gave me food poisoning. <laughs> like, it wasn't like a, oh, I feel a little weird. I wonder what happened. It's like, no, it was it was that yeah. pizza did it. So, uh, anyway. So, I, 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 so these are bad examples. We're, these we're are bad examples. I'm just ways. trying to think of good ones. Uh, I, I know mean, of one for you. We're coming up. Sorry, yeah. I know of one for you. Wouldn't it be like that Black Dog is one or whatever it's called? <laughs> I totally have Black Dog on this list because we're just past the one-year anniversary of my hospital stay. Yeah, okay. So I kind of formed, like, weird attachments to random movies that just happened and to be Super on cable. And the Super Bowl. Like, you started liking the Super Bowl, too. I was like, man, you know, Cincinnati Bengals are pretty great. I, don't, I, don't, I never thought about them or cared before, but they really helped today be a little bit better. Yeah, so, yeah. hooray. Uh, so, yeah, ton of ton of examples from that, that like situation. That and I remember being the at the hospital with you... And you were yeah. like, man, Black Dog's pretty fun. And I'm like, what? What are you Meat talking about? Meatloaf has a Randy gun Travis and he's driving movie? a truck. <laughs> like, the Randy Travis I don't know. Movie. Somebody had like a Patrick Swayze marathon going on. And I was just like, I have, it, it, it tied in perfectly for me. Because when I was like 10 years old, I was at like the Roxy Theater sitting down to watch like Empire Strikes Back Special Edition or something. And yeah. I saw an ad for Black Dog. Okay. And I thought it looked so dope. <laughs> but I never got to see it. <laughs> So you know, you know, you know a movie like that was for me years. that I got an ad for that I always thought it looked dope, but I never watched it. Eventually, Firestorm. Learned. No, it's no, Chill don't. Factor. Oh, with don't. Cuba Gooding and Ski. Oh, Ulrich. Cuba Gooding. I haven't seen that one. I haven't so. either because it's terrible. But I, would, I used to but be like, man, I should watch that movie. Dope. I think that's a yeah. franchise features film too, actually. So, anyways, uh, so same same stay the fugitive was constantly on which i kind of grew to love because i was just like i really like this movie and i can just kind of check in on it whenever i want to it's just like Wait, where are we at here oh it's the parade scene great why i haven't seen this why were they showing the fugitive over and over again like i i think it's just if you sit and watch like 
48 hours of daytime television you're gonna get repeats because it's but that just seems like, like such a short cycle to cycle through movies like there's so many i movies. mean i was there for a full week but yeah, yeah it right. definitely seemed like it was on like seven times and yeah. i caught chunks of it every time uh it's just like did you get any u.s marshals out of it too Oh my gosh i don't know if they you know what i think they did okay i think they followed it up with u.s marshals Good. at least one of those times okay and okay. i was like fantastic because i have a weird like forgiveness past yeah i know i know I, and i've i've tried so many times i've wa- always wanted to like that movie but i just i don't think you're wrong i think i'm wrong <laughs> okay. but i like it <laughs> well okay so this would have been a good example for what's a remember a couple weeks ago i asked him i asked about like what's a movie that you know is bad but you kind of just secretly love oh yeah we we dug it out then it's u.s marshals yeah. i mean we're talking like the chicken suit guy today in armed and dangerous reminded me of u.s marshals because okay. he has the suit yeah. in the opening and he says regular extra crispy it's great stuff i mean come on yeah. <laughs> it's Tommy Lee jones with the shotgun uh so like when i got covid in january uh bob's burgers was that's when it came on the scene for me okay so i think i like that show more than i might have because it was there when i was at a low point sure you know yeah yeah so yeah like it brought you up out of like it was it was the one thing that was able to alleviate your like everything sucks right now like i feel really bad but that was kind of funny yeah, yeah like yeah. <laughs> you know like kind of a comfy blanket sure kind of show um and I have I have one more, but have you have you thought? No, of I, I'm still or? racking my brain. It's, it, I I I find that like when I get sick as an adult, I intentionally don't watch things for the first time because I'm like I might it might be ruined for me because yeah yeah. And then I, I mean this is definitely a space too for like old favorites also. But that's what I, I mean. Guess. Like and then even with old favorites, I don't. I find when I'm sick, I get so apathetic that I just end up doing nothing okay so anyways i I don't have a lot i'm still thinking but i don't don't think i have really anything but go ahead growing up the definite like i have to stay home from school today move like thing was always like price is right just seemed to always be on it's always on yeah it's always on and you would be like of the 17 things that are on right now this is like the least boring so i guess i'll have this on yeah uh so that there's that but the one the one that really came through for me was a video game actually. Uh, but normally I can't handle video games when I'm sick because they require you to be adept at something. Yeah, you know? it requires energy and focus from you when you are lacking those things. Yeah, like oh my reaction time is terrible. <laughs> my thoughts are foggy. Like this isn't good. But there was this kind of adventure game. Like it's it's kind of more of a story narrative based thing called Life is Strange. That is very much in the vein of like a Donnie Darko or something, but you get to control the the weirdness. Okay. And I was like, this is the perfect amount of interactivity for me because I can't handle a lot right now. Yeah. So I'm like gently piloting this movie and it's like 10 hours plus long because it's a video game. So it yeah. kind of was like a season of a show or something I'd never seen. Sure. Uh, so yeah, Life is Strange really came through in the clutch uh, one time. So um, yeah, I did get something because I, I was thinking of movies, but then I was like, I landed on something. Okay. So the first like two months of the pandemic, like when when we first shut down, my my whole life was kind of like on this bubble of like I work at a job, I work in education, but my job was they were laying off people in my position at all the schools. Like this government was like, you have to lay these people off. And I was kind of like living on this bubble of like, I can't afford to be laid off. But at the same time, 
I, and I want to keep working because I need to distract myself from like that doomness that everything was going on in the world at the time. Uh, so I would like go, I eventually my boss like kept me on and like, they just kept, they hired me for a different role for a few months. And I just packed up the school cause we were also moving that summer buildings. So I just became like the main packer person for like three okay. months. But I loved it because I was in person. I got to leave my house in the day and I'd come home and I would have nothing to do because we were all like at home doing nothing. Um, and I'd just be like worried nonstop. So for me, those like th- two two months or so, like the April and May when it was like the peak, I think I plowed through all of the office and the Parks and Rec again. And I realized afterwards and it was because – and somebody – I read about this. They're comfort shows. Like I know what's coming up. I know exactly what the gags are going to be, but because of that, there's something comforting because it's predictable. Whereas like the oh, okay. world was unpredictable to me. I'd come home to the office of the Parks and Rec. I thought it was because they're like workplace comedies and it's like, see, this is all still functioning in this bubble in I the mean, past. No, well, a little bit, I guess. But like for me, like those shows are just comfort shows because I can watch them on repeat pretty easily and yeah. not because they're long running I like the characters and they don't require a lot of energy from me because they're so short. So I just like, I was watching, I watched them pretty quickly and then eventually watched all of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which I'd never done before. So I just was like able to go through those shows and not feel like, and it was just a good solid distraction when I needed it most type of thing. Cause my I, brain was. Yeah. yeah. I think a reprieve show for me is like Star Trek. Like, uh, I, I devoured any time they were broadcasting it at the hospital, but it only happened like twice. Yeah. I was like so ready for like, is, it, is there a channel that just plays <laughs> TNG episodes like all day? Cause I'll just leave that on yeah. and that'll be great. And it's like, no, you caught like the last hour of this <laughs> little block here. It's like, Which would be too bad that you didn't bring your computer or something. Cause if you had crazy uh, late later in the week, I got my, like, got the iPad and I was able to watch some like Pelicans or something like yeah. on the NBA app. Uh, which was decent, but I, yeah, I don't know if we, no, we were definitely subscribed to Crave. I guess I could have had mini screen Star Trek, but at that point I, I kind of was on my way out. The door sure, again, sure, so. sure. Yeah. Yeah. It just didn't time out. So yeah. But, I mean, uh, when I was a kid, yeah. even when I was a kid and I was sick, I didn't really want to watch anything cause I just felt so like lazy bones about it. Part of it might also be like, hey, if you're really like doped up on like cold medicine, like labyrinth is pretty good. <laughs> like, sure. I'm pretty sure that helped. Like, just having a bad day and like not having a good sleep, and it's like, yeah, just just take me away, Jim Henson, show me something <laughs> weird. So he did, and it helped a lot. So like in that spirit, I guess Muppetry, Muppetry stuff, Muppetry is stuff is your safe okay. in this comfort zone. Fair. But yeah, fair, fair, fair. Yeah, I yeah. puppets and puppets. I don't know if I have any movies. I think TV shows are probably, like, the easiest. Well, they provide, like, like with My Life is Strange thing, they provide more comfort for a longer period of time. Yeah. there's more well, and, of it. And for yeah. me, the predictability of it is what's most comforting. Because it's not, like, a, a new investment or, like, I'm getting caught up in something. I can also just ignore an episode or two because I know. Like, it, it, does it take a moment or two to be like, oh, yeah, this one? you know or is it oh i just no i just always know what's you going just on. know now yeah. okay okay i think i've seen the office now like like i just ashley and i are watching it through right now because she's never seen it before and i think this is honestly like my eighth or ninth potentially tenth time seeing it okay so do you skip any 
Like, are any just like, nah. No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a completist. I'll always Scott's watch. Scott's Tots, you know. Yeah, I kind of love I Scott's heard, Tots, I heard so. some people can't handle Scott's Tots. I, too, I have in the crazy. past skipped season one, uh, but I'll watch all the way to see, through eight and nine, though. Okay. Which is what a lot of people skip, so. Is that, like, post-Michael uh, leaving? Yeah. 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 So, anyways. Season one All right, is so there you go. Comfort, worst. sickness stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's not, it's, you know. <laughs> I guess we had some bad examples too, but maybe Dog Soldiers is great, and maybe LMFAO was awesome. <laughs> I, I'm less sure about that last one, but anyway, uh, that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to send in a question for a future show, email ryanokv.ca or nathanokv.ca, or you can reach us on Hive, co-host, and Instagram, OKVO Podcast. Next off, jeez. <laughs> Next week, we blast off for outer space to meet the Spaceballs, directed and co-written by Mel Brooks, along with Thomas Meehan and Ronnie Graham. Until then, I'm Nathan. And I'm Ryan. Have a great week.